watching the ships roll in Then I watch them roll away Watching the tide roll Sitting on the dock of the bay Good morning, good morning, good morning. Little Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay, getting things going for us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you as always. Thank you so much for being here. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you folks. So I do appreciate each and every one of you more than you know. And it is a wonderful time to be alive in the great outdoors. Spring is here. I was driving back from South Texas, blue bonnets, littering the highways. I mean, absolutely a gorgeous drive. Uh, eight hours of just blue bonnets and Indian paintbrushes. I'm looking over at my cameraman, Steve. And he's on his phone the whole damn time. He missed. We, we took the scenic route. He missed the whole thing just with his head in his phone. So ridiculous. Uh, yeah, take a minute. Put your device down and uh, enjoy all the beauty that the, the natural world has to offer you and I. It is stunning, especially this time of year. Um, anyway, what's on the docket for today? Let me tell you. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that Black Rifle coffee out of Granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos. I think I'm, uh, what am I doing today? I've got the hazelnut roast. Mm, smells good. Tastes even better. But uh, to get things going today, we're going to have a roundtable discussion that we taped in Turkey Camp with my longtime friend, Mossberg's Linda Powell, uh, semi-regular guest of the show. Uh, then um, Gordy Cron. He's a longtime outdoor writer from Minnesota, passionate bird dog owner, and we might talk some upland hunting with uh, Gordy. He'll be a part of this discussion. And one of my best friends in the whole world, uh, at Devoted Archer, Chisholm Cook, will be here, my longtime elk hunting buddy and uh, co-host of my other show, which is called Justified Pursuit, if you haven't listened to it before. Not a hunting show, so it uh, might not be your cup of tea. Don't hold that against us. But uh, that's what we're going to do here, uh, talk some turkeys. We had a wonderful hunt last week. Then um, change it up. For the first time ever, we will have a French international join us live in studio in the form of Baptiste Marche, a new friend of mine, reached out to me a couple weeks ago, said he was in Texas visiting from France for the entire month of April. So uh, I went and looked at his stuff. He's got like the biggest conservative-leaning platform in France. So pro-hunting, pro-gun, likes his scotch, likes his cigars, just full of life, a uh, former bodybuilder, um, really cool dude. And uh, he'll join us live in studio as well. It'll be interesting to hear his take on how France has changed because it is completely different from what you and I experience in the United States of America as far as being gun owners and hunters. It's um, it's going to be interesting, I guarantee you that. But I think it's important to look at other cultures and how they've done things successfully or how they've royally screwed them up. So looking forward to having uh, Batiste join us here as well. That's what's on the docket for today. 
Let's do a quick giveaway. I've got this is a cool one, and it is a used piece of equipment, but I'm not using it anymore. Um, my turkey vest sponsor is HS Strut. So my old vest um, from a long time ago, made by Scent Blocker, and it is an awesome vest. I've had it like ten years, but it was time to upgrade. Uh, still, I want to give this thing away to somebody that will put it to good use. It's got all the pockets. It's got the hunter orange that you can unfold out of the back. I mean, it's a really nice vest. They don't make them anymore, uh, but I got a good decade worth of use out of it, and it really is no worse for the wear. So um, you can't get them anymore. If you're looking for a new vest, get yourself an HS Strut. They're awesome, but uh, I have no use for this thing. Hopefully one of y'all does, and I'll even include a couple HS turkey calls in the pockets. I won't tell you which ones they're going to be, but uh, whoever wins it will be pleasantly surprised uh, to find a few calls in there as well. So uh, email the word gobbler. That's gobbler to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. And keep in mind, you know, a new turkey vest is going to run you 70 to 150 bucks or so. So they're not cheap. Um, I've killed a lot of birds in this thing, and I hope that the winner continues that tradition as well. Coming up next, it's a roundtable discussion from Turkey Camp right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. in the colors, brother, father, son. Lies a ghost behind the trigger of a gun. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Let's face it, guys. We all would love to own land, right? But they're not making any more of it. However, there's a solution. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers finance their own piece of paradise for over 100 years. Whether you want it for recreating, ranching, fishing, hunting, or just to get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend, visit Lone Star Ag Credit today to start making that dream a reality. I've been a hunting these woods. Since I was seven years old This shotgun was my granddad's Now it's mine to hold I ain't never hurt no one Except a turkey each year and Come Sunday morning Guns and Religion, great tune there From our buddy Austin Cunningham Bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show Presented by Mossberg Firearms Cable Smith here with you. Thanks for dropping by. I've got three very special friends set to join me for a roundtable turkey camp discussion. But before we jump into that, this segment of the show brought to you by NUMA Outdoors and the Renegade Quarter Zip Top. This is what I wore for the entire turkey trip in South Texas. Actually, I think I wore like a merino wool uh, layer the first day. Way too hot. Temperatures got into the 90s, and uh, this thing was the key. Breathable, rugged, comfortable, and of course comes in that Casa camo pattern. You can find the Renegade, which, by the way, is guaranteed for life. That's right. Any problems with it or any of Numa's gear, they'll replace it at no cost. Lifetime guarantee on apparel. That's insane. 
but they do it. Uh, and you'll save 20% off any NUMA order with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out. All right, let's go ahead and uh, introduce our roundtable guest here. We taped this in Turkey Camp last week down around uh, Raymondville, Texas, hunting with our good friend Lyndall Laxton. So joining me now, Mossberg's Linda Powell, longtime friend of the show, um, my friend of 20-plus years, Chisholm Cook, whom I do a lot of turkey hunting with every year, elk hunting as well, and then a new friend, outdoor writer, Gordy Cron. And so, Gordy, you're the only one who's not been on the show previously, so tell us a little bit uh, a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do. All right, I was born and raised in northern Minnesota, and I currently work for Grandview Outdoors, and we've got print publications and social media components for all of those, but um, I was editor for North American Hunter magazine for, God, probably about 15 years, and then I was with Deer and Deer Hunting magazine after that, so that's pretty much been my career. Okay, and you guys have uh, phenomenal grouse hunting in your neck of the woods. Oh, yeah, and... You know, it's kind of ironic that I grew up with no turkeys. I was a latecomer to turkey hunting because living up there next to the Canadian border, uh, we didn't have turkeys, but we have probably what is the best rough grouse hunting in the world. Uh-huh. And so that's what I grew up with. Okay. Well, we were riding around in the in the buggy yesterday, and I told you, you know, I've done a couple uh, boundary water trips to minnesota it's one of the most beautiful places i think anyone could go visit um do you you lived there your entire life Mm -hmm. as a kid do you remember seeing or hearing about wolves compared to today Or, or is that not the part of the state that has wolves oh yes where i grew up is probably the epicenter of where the wolves live in the northern part of the state and They weren't put on the endangered species list until 1973. Mm. And so when I was growing up as a kid in the 60s and early 70s, they were fair game. If you saw a wolf, you started slinging lead at them. (laughs) Of course, that all changed. And um, to this date, I've still never killed a wolf, even though I've grown up around them. And Minnesotans, I I think, have kind of a love-hate relationship with the wolves. I think we're all proud of the fact that we have them there in the state, but I think we also, most at least sane people, recognize that they need to be managed. Right. And the numbers are, in my opinion anyhow, getting out of control. Uh-huh. Okay. And you have two uh, Britneys also. I do. You know, I've had Britneys now for oh, quite a few years. I think I'm on my sixth and seventh Britneys. And like a lot of people up north, I grew up with Labrador Retrievers because, uh-huh. you know, they're a do-it-all dog. And I did a lot of waterfall hunting. I grew up right on Lake of the Woods, um, which has phenomenal waterfall hunting. So we always had labs growing up. But at some point in my life, I just wanted a dog that was easier to travel with, smaller for in the home. And uh, I tried out the Britneys and Love never look back. So that's what I do all fall. I mean, uh-huh. my fall is for the dogs. Right on. Very cool. Yeah, I got to hunt with some French Britneys recently, and they were just the sweetest, and but still very dedicated to their craft and trying to find birds. They're incredible little dogs. And, yeah. 
you know, they're, they're just great in the home, they're great in the field, they're just a well-rounded dog, and for me, it's I'm never going back. <laughs> so you and Linda have been friends a long time through your relationship in, the, in this industry. I think y'all said at dinner last night, last night, like 1996 probably, you guys have done quite a few hunts together, and I asked you both, what was your favorite? And Linda, I'm gonna start with you and, and want you to talk about that hunt, because y'all have done quite a few, um, but there's one that, that stands out. Yes, I think it was back in 2010, we had the opportunity to go to Russia for brown bear, which is, for me, a lifelong dream, because we've talked about it before. I just love bears. There's uh -huh. no question about bear hunting. So it worked out. We had a group of four of us, Gordy and myself, and then uh, a friend of ours, Dean, who also works in the industry, and Ron Spomer, another outdoor mm -hmm. rider. And so we ventured off to uh, to Russia for for brown bear. Little did we know what an adventure it was going to be. Just getting there in itself. What did you say last night? Fifty. It was fifty-seven hours for me from the time I left wow. my home <laughs> until I we actually got in camp. Fifty-seven. Hours. That so makes we, Africa look easy. Oh, yeah. I mean, we went to New York, and then we flew to Moscow, and then we had about, I don't know, four hour, or I can't remember, quite a layover there, and then we flew to Petropavlovsky, yeah, I think. Which is Kamchatka, the little peninsula. And then we hopped in a van and started driving north, <laughs> and we finally, I don't even remember how many hours later, did overnight, but then the next day, we drove again a few hours hopped on a helicopter, mm -hmm. and finally made it to camp. And as I recall, I think I left home like on a Tuesday midday, and this was like Friday <laughs> when we finally got there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they greeted you in camp with a like a full glass of vodka? Well, they did have an endless supply of vodka that there is no – they did have an endless supply of vodka, and – it was an incredible camp. It was basically an old trapper's cabin, and they had set up tents with, like, wood heat for us. They were actually quite comfortable, but it was very remote. We were on the ice pack yet. There was still, like, eight or nine feet of snow. Um, temperatures were moderate, like 32 degrees mm -hmm. pretty much day or night. But we got snowed in for, what, was it three days? I don't know. It seemed like a week. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't leave camp because it was just too dangerous. Here's some more vodka. Yeah, just so, <laughs> Yeah, the vodka supply held up, fortunately. <laughs> but, I mean, this trip was just such an incredible adventure just because everything was so new. You know, the culture, the people, the food, the animals, and the hunting was phenomenal. And your guys didn't speak a lick of English, huh? They spoke no English whatsoever. So you were on a snowmobile with some guy. My guy, we, we called him Elvis because he had these funky sunglasses. And they would pull you um, on the snowmobile behind, you know, you'd be sitting in this little trailer, a little slip. And he'd be babbling away at me all day long and like, I could understand them, but of course I couldn't. <laughs> but we had these little crib notes so we could, when we'd see a bear, we could point to, or he would point to what size he thought it was, and we could communicate that part anyhow. But yeah, it was, I don't want to say it was stressful, but you know, when you can't communicate, it makes yeah, it yeah. very difficult. So tell the story of the bear 
that okay. you thought he was like, here's a shooter, <laughs> and that's not at all what he was saying or what he did. Yeah, he Elvis kind of gave me a Jeremiah Elvis. Johnson <laughs> moment. We were cruising the ice pack, and he stopped the snow machine and jumped off, and he was all agitated, and he was pointing up to the, the side of the mountain, and I was looking around, and I finally spotted what he had seen, and it was a bear that was basically you know, out on the snowpack, was sitting next to its uh, den. And so I grabbed my rifle, because it looks like a good bear to me. And I grabbed my rifle and I'm loading it, and he, he goes, no, no, no. And he goes, photo, photo. And so I'm thinking, okay, we're not shooting the bear. He wants me to photograph it. So I said, fine. So I lay my rifle down, and as I'm getting my camera gear out, I noticed that he's unhooking my sled from the snowmobile. Uh-huh. And I'm going, okay, that's a little strange. So I'm getting my camera out and I, I set it on the ground. He unhooks the sled and takes off on the snowmobile. I'm going, what the hell's going on? <laughs> so he drives out of sight and I'm looking up at the bear on the hill and the bear's looking at me. And then about, I don't know, three minutes later, he shows up up on top of the hill and he drives the bear, herds it down toward me. <laughs> and so this bear is coming lounging by, and I've got my camera out, and I'm snapping photos. And that bear went by me at 30 yards, and as he was galloping by, he just like kind of looks over at me, and and I, I mean, it was just... You got some good pictures. I did. <laughs> That's great. And everyone got a bear on that hunt. We did. Uh, we all got bears. Kind of interesting, Dean, that I mentioned earlier, we had gotten to the, we had one more day to hunt. And, you know, we'd already been snowed in and had lost a few days. And they told us another front was coming in. And so we had to make a decision whether we were going to leave a day early or if we wanted to stay and let Dean hunt and get his, hopefully get his bear on the last day. And we all kind of looked at each other. We had enough of probably togetherness <laughs> and eating fish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we said we, we thought we'd go out the next day. And so we were actually having dinner and maybe a few vodka toast. And all of a sudden, one of the guides came running in and kind of got translated to Dean. He needed to grab his rifle. There was actually a bear just maybe, I don't know, a couple hundred yards maybe, circling camp. Oh, wow. So he goes scrambling out, throws on his boots, grabs his rifle, and we're all still sitting there enjoying our, our vodka and waiting. In a few minutes, there's a shot, and he comes back, and he's gotten his bear. So <laughs> it worked out that everybody got their bear. That is cool. So last question on that front, price-wise, because, I mean, like I would love to go to Alaska or the Yukon. Um, that's very expensive sometimes, upwards eighteen twenty five thousand dollars $25,000 for a brown bear hunt. What can you do it for? I know this was 2010, but... It's cheaper to go to Russia, even you with mean, the flight. You mean, mean pre Ukraine invasion? <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, yes. Right now, I'm not sure that I would go. Yeah. As I recall, I think, you know, we had an option of taking one or two bears, and I think we went with the less expensive option, sure. one bear each. I think we only paid about, and I say only, but $7,500. Wow. Uh, now, again, you have a lot of expense in getting there, your airfare. And the other expenses that you don't take into account, there's this little thing called bribery. (laughs) (laughs) Everywhere you go, if you've done any international travel, you know that to be the case. But everywhere you go, someone has their little handout. You want to get your rifle through customs? Exactly. The most interesting part was that when we were coming back and we were bringing our hides back, 
And we were flying from Petropavlovsky back to Moscow. And it was on Aeroflot, I think, is the airline. But um, they came and grabbed Dean. And they there was a very attractive Russian lady that came and took him into a back room. And they were back there for quite some time. And he came out and he says, how much money have you got? And I said, what do you mean, how much money have you got? I got... He said, she's already taken all of my money. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, they're not going to put our trophies on the plane until we give them more money. So I think all total, we ended up giving them close to twenty-seven dollars or $2,800 oh my God. to ensure that our bear hides got back. Well, that's a good racket right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It was like a scene right out of uh, Family Vacation or Vacation <laughs> where Chevy Chase goes to the mechanic goes, well, how much is it? Well, how much you got? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I'm sure you guys have a ton more stories having uh, traveled the globe together for the better part of 20 years hunting now. Um, But we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll switch it up and get into these ridiculously unintelligent South Texas turkeys. We've had the pleasure of hunting the last couple days. Um, That segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants. I'm partial to the BB squared. It's the original recipe. When I put it out, here come the big boys, time after time. The uh, the kids will tell you that the cell cameras don't lie. Put out the Big and J, here come the big bucks. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at bigandj.com. We'll be right back with more from Turkey Camp right here on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. And I don't want to hear the good side of this goodbye. If you want to go, baby, just leave. Don't give me that you still care. Hey guys, Cable here, and last year was a wild year for censorship. It's only continuing in 2022 uh, for us hunters and anglers. So I've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women, by hunters and anglers just like you. It's a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged. Imagine that. Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so many more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you get 10 bucks to the store just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started, and I'll see you over there. Cable here, and if you're like me, you probably enjoy bold flavors and cuisines. And nobody does Cajun and Creole better than Chris's Specialty Foods in Frisco. Their forte includes specialty sausages, boudins, and andouille, pre-cooked soups, gumbos, and sides, where all you have to do is heat it up. What about high-quality steaks, smoked and fried turkeys, turduckins, and turduckin rolls for the holidays, plus gift boxes, storefront conveniently located off Dallas Parkway in Frisco, or shop online at chrisespecialtyfoods.com and have it delivered to your door. Just an old double barrel 12 Stock is cracked and kicks like hell Wouldn't mean what it means to me to no one I can still hear his voice when I put it to my shoulder There's a very own Aaron Lewis bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show Presented by Mossberg Firearms, Granddaddy's Gun, the name of that one um, we are still visiting with Mossberg's Linda Powell, outdoor writer uh, Gordy Cron, and our good friend Chisholm Cook. 
taped this bad boy um, over a few bourbons. I think uh, Linda might have been drinking red wine, but uh, yeah. Uh, taped this thing at Turkey Camp in South Texas, and we're going to keep rolling that conversation momentarily. This segment brought to you by All Season Smokers. What did I do this past weekend? Well, I had all of this delicious turkey meat, which was even more so because Linda and Gordy didn't take their birds with them. So, hey, Chisholm and I got to load up the coolers with even more gobblers. Uh, so, dry rub, put it on the all-season smoker for an hour and a half. My goodness. Slice it up, make sandwiches, serve it with just barbecue sauce. Just eat it as it is. It's amazing. Wild turkey is phenomenal. Anyone that says otherwise doesn't know how to cook. And it's even better when you put it on that all-season smoker. You can find their entire lineup of backyard barbecue pits, grills, and smokers at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right, well, let's go ahead and and keep rolling our uh, Turkey Camp Roundtable conversation uh, with Chisholm, Linda, and Gordy. Chisholm, you and I have hunted down here in this part of the world, Willisie County, deep south Texas. Uh, this is our third year in a row, and we keep coming back for a reason. What makes the turkey hunting so special down here for you? Uh, I mean, I guess first and foremost, they're the dumbest turkeys <laughs> in North America. I wasn't going to say <laughs> There's also a lot of them, which mm-hmm. is awesome, and I grew up like 90 miles from here, and so it feels it's very familiar country to me personally so uh for those three reasons uh this place is awesome but yeah lots and lots of birds that are awesomely dumb what has been your favorite moment of our time here over the years over the three three hunts three years of hunting we've done here three seasons of hunting yeah uh man (laughs) there's been a bunch every i said this earlier today like there's been something amazing different new you know, that I'd, I'd never experienced before on every hunt. Uh, I think my honestly favorite moment was last year. So the first two years we came here, we camped uh, at this pavilion uh, that the outfitter lets us camp at. Uh, this year we're in this amazing uh, lodge that the original original ranch owner, I guess, used to live in, right? But mm. um, so we were camping at this pavilion and we got up at five and grabbed a, I guess a water or something out of an ice chest and dropped the lid on a big cooler and this one little bitty mesquite tree next to our tent right directly above our heads a gobbler fires off at 5 30 in the morning <laughs> shot, shot gobbles at, at the closing of the ice chest um that, that I mean that one was probably the funniest but yeah there's been Lots of cool moments. We were not quiet either. We were playing music, cooking dinner, had a campfire. Yeah. We knew that Turkey, he gobbled like before uh, we like started cooking dinner. And then we assumed we, we scared him away because he just was quiet. And then, no, he spent the entire night right there as our <laughs> camp buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. Um, you, the first two seasons, uh, killing four turkey with two shotgun shells. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Doubling both <laughs> single shot doubles, uh, two years running. Uh, although, I guess your average slid slid back. You backslid a little bit on your average yeah. today. Took two shells for two birds on this trip. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we did see something cool this afternoon. We saw a, what was the name of the hawk? It was a white-tailed hawk. White-tailed yeah. hawk, which we looked that up on Wikipedia, cool. and we showed you guys the feathers. We were, You guys were still hunting, and we were sitting on the, the patio of the lodge, and 
we see two hens out in the pasture and I see a bird of prey like swoop down and feathers fly everywhere and then the the turkeys get away I guess and the 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 hawk probably weighs I we looked it up but I guess three to five pounds and the turkey probably weighs 15 to 18 pounds a nice Rio hen and this thing is trying to kill this turkey and tries three or four more dive bombs before the, the turkeys finally get up and they fly away. But it was so cool to see. You never know what you're going to see in this part of the world. But um, you've hunted Nilgai down here, Linda. I have. Uh, I had Nilgai and turkey before, mm-hmm. uh, hogs. So, yeah, I love this country down here. I mean, it's just full of wildlife. And like you said, you never know what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but tough country and tough animals. But, yes, dumb turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I try to explain it to you, but... It's like you drive by them and they're just kind of like, hey, you know, now they don't just let you walk up to them and shoot them. No, you they can you can literally see them. Sometimes you can they see you and then you can get out and put out a decoy and call them back to you. It's really an interesting and I think it's just because they don't have much hunting pressure. No, I mean, Rio's and they're not that stupid. An interesting lot of activity. I mean, throughout the day. I mean, we saw them all hours of the day, mm-hmm. too. You know, a lot of times I think of turkeys kind of becoming a little more inactive midday and particularly in the heat. Not here. Oh, it's 90 degrees and windy and there's turkey out all day. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the true best time, I think, sort of not time, but uh, I guess, you know, moment. I don't even think that's the right word. Most memorable thing out here was last season when we got into that hen party where we heard every single vocalization hen could make, like sounds I didn't know they made. I learned how to mm-hmm. properly purr on a slate call listening to these hens purr like loud and aggressively. Like it was, we, we've I've heard vocalizations on this ranch that um, some of them I didn't know what turkey did, and some of them um, I, I just don't think they happen that often. But yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a cool place to get to hear and see and experience turkeys. And to Linda's point, all day long. Yeah, yeah. And Gordy, you doubled up today. Talk about that. Yeah, and and I think that is the key is that these turkeys are not pressured. And you find that with turkeys everywhere, it doesn't matter which subspecies they are, um, if they don't see a lot of hunting pressure, I wouldn't say they're not they're naive, but they're less concerned about human activity and more mm-hmm. curious in, in a lot of cases, but yeah, this morning was was magical, and you know it's so great to be down here early in the in the turkey season. I'm going to be hunting five states this year, and uh, this is my kickoff to the to the spring season. So, I mean, when I left Minnesota the other day, I still had a foot of snow on the ground <laughs> in my yard. So, and it's what 85 degrees here today, at least, and. Uh, it's just nice to really kick off the season down south and then kind of work your way up north as the seasons progress. But, yeah, we had we had hunted a bunch of birds what, um, last night. Uh, we got on some birds and got close and just about got it done. But they went off to the roost, so we went back to that place this morning. And, uh, yeah, they were actually roosted on the power lines. They were roosted there. Yeah, they the were. The first year we hunted here, I shot a, a double right, probably, you know, right where you guys were. Right there. They yeah. were roosting on those power lines. I, I've never well, seen that before. Yeah. yeah. There's cool. not a lot. You'll have noticed there's not a lot of tall trees. There's around. not a lot yeah. of tall trees. Which makes it remarkable there are this many turkeys, right? Like, 
Yeah. And when we set up, you know, they had gobbled a couple of times, but I assumed that they were farther down. And then as it started getting light, it, I realized that we set up pretty damn close to the to the roost. Yeah. But we were tucked in really good, and uh, it was surprising how early they came down. It was still pretty dark when they pitched down, and thankfully they they milled around for a little while. So it was just getting light, and then they just started coming toward us, as we assumed they would. Um, but nice thing here in Texas, you can shoot multiple birds. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd already decided if I had the opportunity to shoot two birds, I was going to do it. And, uh, and that's basically just what happened. Uh, first gobbler went by me and to be honest i just let him walk because it was still dark enough that i wasn't really comfortable i really knew that he was a you know male bird but i wasn't sure that he was a mature tom so i let him walk but i could see two strutters coming from farther back and thankfully by the time they got up to us um it was getting you know decent light and uh the trick was the problem was there were so many hens around that i had a hard time you know getting a clear shot at the tom so i really had to wait for a while but mm -hmm. finally the, the the hens cleared out and i took a shot and, and dropped the first tom and then the second one was just really confused but he was just running around in circles and doing figure eights <laughs> and finally when he slowed down a little bit then i i popped him too and it it was just one of those magical moments, you know, early in the morning, first day and first morning in Texas and yeah. had two toms on the ground. It's awesome. Bef <laughs> it was legal shooting light, but was it before sunrise that you technically got those birds? I know you mentioned that they came down before. Yeah, it was legal shooting light, but it was, sunrise it was, was like the sun was not up. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, I shot a pig this morning about 7 a.m., Right. We already had like the gobbler. We like when we pulled up in the ATV, like he shot gobbled. I shot the pig and Chisholm texted me because we were sitting about 15 yards away and uh, I was filming for him this morning. He's like, if you screwed up this turkey, I'm going to be really pissed at you because I shot the pig. But I was like, the pig was like 20 yards from me. What am I going to do? You know, I shot him with a shotgun. I was out putting out decoys. <laughs> I'm setting up decoys and we got out a little bit. You later put a pig in front of me. I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> I. I wave at cable and i'm like hey do you know there's a pig 15 yards from you and i'm like and yes goes, i'm trying I'm to load my gun like, oh, <laughs> all right fine shoot it so yeah i've shot the pig the turkey Which, shot gobbles shot gobble. he's like if you screwed this up and then like 15 minutes later we shot the turkey he came right he went he went quiet though yeah. i was i was i knew having been here three times now i knew we would get a bird one way or another this morning but we had a we were fairly close to that bird who was, when he was roosted and he didn't gobble again after that shotgun went off, but a gobble was going off a hundred yards away to the South and he continued to gobble until, you know, he got down and uh, flew down and continued to gobble after that. But then that bird came in quietly. So he still came right to us, but uh, I do think the shotgun at least uh, calmed him down a little bit, but it was kind of quiet this morning, really. Right. Y'all, y'all said the same thing. It, yeah. The yep. Barometric pressure was falling as we got out. Um, right at that kind of line where they say that they'll make less noise. Then it started to pick back up, and they made noise all day long after mm -hmm. that. But. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the shotguns, Linda. 
Yeah. And let's talk and, shotguns. And thanks to Mossberg for, for, you know, being a part of this and facilitating this hunt. It's so great to have you guys down here. Um, but I shot the 940 Pro Waterfowl during duck season. Right. This is something specifically designed for turkey hunting. Right. So this is a conti- continuation of that series, the 940 Pro Turkey. We have two models, and we have both of them here, uh, one with an 18-and-a-half-inch barrel mm-hmm. and one with a 24-inch. Uh, I personally love that 18-and-a-half-inch for maneuverability. Uh, you know, if you're working in tight quarters. For me, I'm a little bit short, too. I don't have a barrel towering over my head when you're working around through the brush. Um, the 940, I mean, you and I have had this conversation. The thing I love best about this this gas operating system is it requires little maintenance. You can run up to 1,500 rounds. That's a lot of turkeys. That's a lot of turkeys. Clean that gun. <laughs> a lot of hunting before you have to clean. The other thing that I think is just great um, is the adjustability in the stock. Which um, you did. I did. Yeah. I took mine down to the shortest length of pull, so it'll go down to 13 inches. Um, with different spacers, you can go up to 14 and a quarter. That plus the fact there's shims that you can address, uh, adjust the cast and the drop. So you're really able, if you you know, take a little time to get the gun to fit you, and that's really important with, with shotguns. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's just awesome is it has a cut in the receiver, so you can directly mount one of the new micro dot sights. And... The beauty of that is eye alignment. You don't have a sight that's up higher. Right. And um, I just, personally, I'm left eye dominant, but also in low light conditions. And I hate to admit it, but older eyes, adding an optic has really become a, a important to me uh, on, on my hunting guns, and yeah. particularly turkey hunting. Well, I, I mean, I've absolutely loved it. And I told you, kind of like sheepishly, like afraid to, or maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I told you I never cleaned the 940 Pro Waterfowl. During, <laughs> well, I shot it during uh, dove season and shot right. a mess of dove with it. And then it wasn't the best waterfowl season, but it certainly wasn't as bad as last year. Shot some ducks and, and cranes, um, and I never, I didn't clean it one time. Yeah, with all those internal finishes, though, that's the whole key, mm-hmm. you know, and that gas system's in essence designed to be self-cleaning. So it really cuts down on the need for maintenance. Yeah. And the, what is the MSRP? Suggested retail. I mean, you know, we have a, just right around $1,000, but I tell people, you know, to look for actual street price to probably be 850 to $900. Okay. Well, your first impression, Gordy? Well, I think Linda hit on a couple key points when you're talking about special purpose turkey guns in that the, the fit is so important between having an adjustable stock and having a red dot scope because in turkey hunting, as you know, a lot of times you're shooting from some very awkward positions. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just uber important that you have a gun that fits you well and that you can maneuver well. And I think they've really addressed this with the, the 940 Pro. And my impression, my first impression is that it's a, it's a very solid gun. I mean, Mossberg has make, been making great turkey guns for decades. And this is just a continuation of that. And uh, I thought the guns cycled very nice, you know. And, yeah, I I think they've got a real winner here. Well, it's been a treat having you guys in camp. And thanks for traveling so far to to come to Texas. I mean, this is deep south Texas to to hunt with us. And um, I, I think Chisholm would agree the only real 
drawback of staying in this nice lodge is that we didn't get to cook our turkey nasty bit traditional dinner for you guys, which is gizzard, uh-huh. liver, heart, which we put in a you know propane skillet and uh, fried up in the turkey's own fat, and it's wow. I'm sure they would have let us. We were probably just being maybe a little gee, bit lazy. About yeah. Gee, I hate that we missed that. <laughs> have you, ever tried, you haven't tried? Have you tried turkey gizzard? I'm not much of like organ oh. meat and things. So. <laughs> You're missing out, yeah. especially when you just pan fry it up in its own fat. I can vouch for the heart and the liver. Phenomenal. The gizzard. They're not. It's mm. way more mild. It's way more mild than than. Like oh, the liver is so mammal. good. Just melt in your mouth, buttery. Yeah, oh, but man. the gizzard is like good red meat. It just has that. I'm with you on the gizzard. Texture, yeah. Not I my the, favorite. I like the gizzard. Yeah. but yeah, it has that crunchy sort of. You know. Well, it's just a little bit of piece of meat. We uh we appreciate you guys being here. We have to get up early in the morning because uh, we got to get one more turkey. We've one got one more tag to fill. Yep. How many have we got so far? Yeah. What is the body count? We're at I've got two. Six. Gordy's got two. Chisholm's got one, and Linda's yeah. got one. Six. And Chisholm's done. So yeah. one to go. One more to so go. Out of seven between four of us. Yeah. Well, thank you guys, and uh, we appreciate it, and wish you uh, safe travels on your upcoming hunts and linda i'm sure you've got more turkey you're going to canada and then uh, i am canada and western north carolina don't have to fly on that one i can drive <laughs> and then bear hunting your favorite thing bear so. hunting yes heading up to northern alberta i'm jealous well thank you guys again thanks for jumping on the show we appreciate it thanks. thank you so there you have it good times from turkey camp with uh, mossberg's linda powell outdoor writer gordy cron and our good friend chisholm cook um hmm. Can't wait to do it again. Actually, that's why I'm leaving this weekend. Headed to the uh, the property I leased for turkeys out in Erion County. A void of quail, which is what I went there to look for, but uh, should have some turkeys on it. So, hopefully uh, punch my last two tags on that trip and call it a spring. Uh, unless maybe I get the itch to go up to Oklahoma. Anyway, that segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation They put their money where their mouth is, and it doesn't matter if it's international or domestic. They're on the front lines fighting for our rights, fighting for conservation, and um, I encourage you to check them out at safariclub.org. Coming up next, we'll take a look at a completely different hunting and gun-owning culture when my new friend and Frenchman Baptiste Marachet joins us right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Let it roll away these fears. Let it roll away the reasons. Lock in load in the shooting village at the Ducks Unlimited Expo. DUX. Presented by Purina Pro Plan at Texas Motor Speedway, April 8th through 10th. 300 yard rifle range, trick shooting demos, live fire rifle and pistol range, ammo and firearm sales, seminars, and raffles. DUX, presented by Purina Propylene at Texas Motor Speedway, April 8th through 10th. Tickets, Tickets are only $10. $10. Kids under 12, active or retired military, and first responders get in free. Buy your, your tickets, tickets today at duckexpo.com. Tactical Skeleton Firearms specializes in custom AR-10 firearms. They're best known for their AR-10 308 pistols. Also, dual-caliber AR-10 rifle systems and dual-caliber AR-15 takedown pistols. Tactical Skeleton specializes in custom Cerakoting engraving, and they'll custom laser-cut the foam insert inside your hard gun case. They'll also take on any exotic caliber build offered on the AR-10 or AR-15 platform. Precision machining and hand-built quality guaranteed by a lifetime warranty 
Who does that? Get free shipping on your order when you visit tacticalskeleton.com today. Yeah, when I look south and see the storm clouds roll On their way from old Mexico I don't want to be alone And the rays fly through my shiner bottle Make me want to turn the key and put down Cable Smith welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Little Jason Boland for you this morning. Uh, thanks for dropping by. I do appreciate it. We're all set uh, to check in with our new friend, Baptiste Marache, who came all the way to Texas from France just to be on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. No, I'm, I'm kidding. He had, uh, I'm sure, a bunch of other things to do. Uh, but I found out he was here, and uh, we're making it happen. So who is Baptiste, and uh, what is he all about? We'll find out momentarily this segment brought to you by... Vortex Optics and the new Spring Vortex Wear lineup. Man, they got some good stuff. And uh, whether you're headed to the gun range, to the deer lease, to the boathouse, or to the bar, they've got something for everybody. And um, whether you're looking for shorts or a button-up shirt or um, you know a UV protective fishing shirt, they've got uh, Sun Slayer hoodies, all that cool stuff, you can find it all at Vortexware and save 20% off when you use that promo code LONESTAR20. All right, so let's bring him on right now. Joining us in studio, Baptiste Marche. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you for your invitation. It's yeah. an honor. My pleasure. So, you're obviously from France. Yeah. From around the Paris area? Yeah, near Paris. Okay. And you're here in Texas. Not your first time, though. No, 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 really not. Yeah. I come each year, but uh, I could not come during COVID period. Mm-hmm. So since two years, I was, I was absent of Texas, but it missed me a lot. <laughs> so when is it reopen uh, in November? I begin to work to come back soon, and I'm here. Right on. So why did you originally come here? Um, for a bench press competition. Uh-huh. You know. Back in the day, I was a bench press competitor. I do bench press competition around the world. And, um, you know, my trainer is from Texas. Okay. His name is Josh Bryant. He's a little famous in Texas. And this is, um, I think, the biggest bench press specialist in the world. And so he invited me for a charity meet in the original Metroflex gym uh, in Arlington. And I come the first time just just for a competition like uh, another competition, but I fell in love with Texas. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're here and you know, you, you sent me a, a note on Instagram and said that you were going to be here. And, and I said, well, I went and followed you back and saw your page and saw that it's guns and cigars and hunting yeah. <laughs> and, like, <I> like, <laughs> and all the stuff you love. Yeah. Weightlifting. I was like, yeah, oh, this, this is my kind of guy. <laughs> uh, and, and you have a, a, a YouTube channel with 250,000 subscribers. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot in France because we don't have a, a, well, as much people that anyway. in America. Yeah, but you know we're only sixty-eight million. Mm-hmm. So for Amer- American listeners, two hundred fifty thousand people subscribers in France is almost I think like you have one million in America. Uh-huh. Okay, awesome. Well, so anyway, I was like, well, yeah, come over. So we just ate some uh, some moose taco soup. Yeah, and uh, yeah. 
And it was great. Well, thank you very yeah. much. A little, like, like, a, a, like I said to you, I was in Russia two months ago for hunting moose, and I miss it. So I'm glad to, to eat it. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. Now, did you actually shoot at it and miss, or you didn't see any? No, I didn't see anything. Okay. <laughs> so that's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so you're, you also have a big Instagram page, almost yep. 90,000 or 90,000 90, yeah. followers on Instagram too. Mm-hmm. So I imagine you're one of the bigger, because you're a conservative, you, the yeah. way that you think, you know, aligns. Yeah, kinda, I'm a conservative. Yeah. That's not a popular thing to be in France, apparently. Mm, it's pretty difficult to answer to it because it's famous and it's not famous, you know. It's not mainstream, uh-huh. but... Like I said to you, in France, this is not like in America. Media are all in the left part. Mm. All media. We at least have Fox News here. Yeah, you have Fox here. And we don't have it. We have a a new channel who's beginning to be conservative, but it's pretty new. So, during 60 years, French people only have uh, left media to see. You know, with television, Mm. with... uh, uh, with a paper, newspaper, and all is is from left. So when you when you create something for the conservative, all the conservative people will watch it because oh. they only have it. You know. Yeah. So you can become famous with this kind of way. Okay. But okay. not not like if you do mainstream thing because mm-hmm. you only have conservative people. But but I think I'm one of the biggest in France here. Uh huh. Well, so tell us about yourself. Did you grow up? Like hunting and shooting? No, no, really not. No, I, I grew up in a conservative family. You know, my grandfather is one of the most decorated military in France during the 20th centuries. Mm-hmm. This is he, he was one of the leader of the resistance during World War Two, and uh, both, he, both of my grandfathers fought there. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my mom's dad in England, my dad's dad in uh, Africa. So, so we're, our grandfathers are in good company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and my my grandfather was uh, one of the guy who would delimit the place for American parachutists to come mm. in France. And so after that, he go to um, Indochine, and after Algeria. So I was grow. I was. Um, I grew up with my mother, and she was his children. You know, mm-hmm. so. Conservative way is <laughs> the only way possible in my family, uh-huh. but uh, but my my parents are not hunters, so the place they live are in uh, near Paris, like maybe maybe uh, fifty kilometers. I don't know how much it is in miles. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like thirty. <laughs> yeah, say, something yeah. like it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and um, and there is a place when I, I I become adult, I buy an apartment just uh, near my parents' house. And uh, there is a place just near my apartment who is called Le Rendezvous des Chasseurs. It's in, in English, it says the rendezvous of hunter, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just a little, little bar, yeah, uh, for hunter. And so I become to go here for playing cards and, you know, drink some beers. And I was, I was pretty young, maybe 19, 20, you know. Uh-huh. And so... This guy was, you know, the, the kind of guy like hold hunter. You, you know, this is the same here, you know, with yeah. beard and mustache. <laughs> you know, this kind of guy. And so they, they become to make me eat some deer, some boar, something like that. And 
and become to say, hey, come with us, come hunting with us. And I become to hunt with us and fall in love with this. Uh-huh. So talk a little bit about French hunting culture. Like, is it all on game preserves now? Like private land? Um, no. No, okay. No. You have to know that we have a great hunting culture in France. Historically, great hunting culture. Uh-huh. You know, you know Danny Boone. Yeah, yeah. Danny Boone in in this book writes that when he meets a French hunter, it was some guys who only thinks to hunt. hunt. He, he writes it on his oh. book, you know. But it, it was a long all they, time ago. All they yeah. think about is hunting. When yeah, them, oh, right? yeah. And um, so we have a great hunting culture, but. Uh, no, it's complicated because we have uh, um, like public services hunting, uh, public services hunting because we have a, a, a surpopulation of hogs, uh-huh. in, a lot, like a lot here, of hogs, <laughs> like here. So government wants you to hunt, but government wants you to. Uh, be friend with animalists, you know, with ecologist activists. So you have to hunt, but it's not so easy to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty complicated in France. Uh, you have public hunting, you have private hunting, but you have a lot of regulation. With some, some are good, some are totally dumb. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the weapon you have to use. It's, I cannot explain. You will not understand, but <laughs> it's really, really complicated to have the good gun you have to, to use to hunt, you know, the good ammo. Uh, like you can use 300 Winchester Magnum. Uh-huh. You can use um, 30, uh, 338 Lapua Magnum, but you cannot use 556. Uh, really? Yeah, or 762. Can you own, can you own an AR? No, no, no. no. You you can at all in France, but uh, that is not hunting stuff. But you can own an AR gun. Uh, you can have it, but it's pretty complicated. You have to not be full automatic. You cannot use full automatic mm-hmm. in France, even in range. Yeah. Even in a range, you cannot shoot in full automatic in France. So you can have an, an AR-15, but you have to be stuck on this kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. in a, uh, I don't know to to say it. In a safe. In a safe, yeah. yeah. In a, you have to stock it in a safe. You have to have a license, but it's really complicated to have it. And basically... You can't just roll around in your truck with it, just sitting oh, there. Oh, no. Like no, 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 no. You have to stay <laughs> in your house uh-huh. all the time. The range and your house. It's, it's, it's only two places you can have it. Okay. And you cannot hunt with it. Oh. No. That's a shame. We shot 18. I was telling you, we shot 18 pigs <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> me, and, me and two other guys, all with ARs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not the same hunt yeah. we do in France. Yeah. With, with thermal. But you guys can't use thermal either. We can use thermal, but only in the day. <laughs> yeah, because it's not uh, it's not about thermal. It's about night hunting. Uh-huh. Night hunting, it's forbidden in France. Okay. So, obviously, you guys shoot hogs. You do hog hunting. Oh, yeah. I saw on your page um, waterfowl, ducks. Yeah, I love it. You love ducks? I mean, I yeah, do too. it's ramp. Because yeah. the good thing in France is that France is not really, really big, but we have a lot of different kind of 
biotope, you know. Mm-hmm. You have the mountains, so you can do the goats. You have the forest for the deer. You have the prairie, you mm-hmm. say that? Prairie for the hogs. And you have the swamp for the duck and other things. You can do all. I Where I live, I can be in a forest with maybe 20 kilometers. I can be in the prairie 10 kilometers. I can be in the mountain less than 100 kilometers. I can be in the swamp less than 100 kilometers. You know, uh-huh. that's good. Yeah. I, I can do all kind of... Uh, all kind of hunt. So what kind of deer do you guys hunt? Uh, I'm sorry, but I don't know the name in English. Is it like a roe deer? Or? I don't know because I don't know the name, <laughs> the name in English. So I can show you, but I, can, I cannot say it. I, I, we don't have white tails. Yeah, no, we don't no have it. Uh, we don't have Virginia deer. Virginia deer, you say that? Uh, Virginia? Yeah. Sir. Oh, yeah. No, no it's, it's a translation it, of, of, of a French uh, is word. Is the deer that you have that you hunt in France... Is it native to France or is it yeah. from somewhere else? No. Okay. We only have animals native to France. In okay. France. Except one animal, it's raccoon, because your soldiers bring it <laughs> raccoon. In, in France. Yeah, raccoon. <laughs> That's all the other animals are native from France. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, France and Central Europe and, you know, uh-huh. because this is the same, you, you find the same stuff in all the, the West Europe. Uh-huh. So does France as a country, put value on protecting wildlife and animals. Yeah, but not the way you, you're thinking. Really? They think they protect the wildlife animals, but, you know, with ecologist stuff, animalist stuff, vegan, something Veganism. like Yeah, veganism, something like it. So this is not the real wildlife. Veganism is a mental disease. Yeah, I know. I know. But say you know, to you, French people. You've, <laughs> been to, you, you've been to Africa. I've been to Africa. Yeah. If you told your tracker... What do you think about veganism? They would, and I asked my translator, yeah, yeah, yeah. I asked my PH to, yeah. to ask him. I said, well, ask him what he thinks about veganism. And he just started laughing and he goes, he just, he said, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about first world problems. But it's, it's pretty much the same thing in France because they represent maybe 0.5% of the population. Right. But everybody is talking about it. But mm-hmm. no one is vegan, but everybody talk about it. Yeah. But so the wildlife is protected by like just... The hunter. The hunters, yes. At the end of the day. Same, yeah. same as here. Yeah. Yeah. And these people that are like anti-hunting at the end of the day, they're anti-wildlife. Because, yeah. like, I'm sure you guys have to buy licenses and, and stuff. And oh, yeah. All that goes it's back It's more in. complicated than in America. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have, a, you have to buy license. You have to pay. It's, it's one of the problem with hunting in France. It's, it costs so much. Mm-hmm. Because you have to pay your license. And after that, you have to pay an authorization for hunting on the land. Okay. Mm-hmm. And after, you have to pay for each animal you kill. So if you put it, you know, just uh, after and after, you have big money to to spend. Mm, yeah. Okay. So it's very expensive there. Yeah, really expensive. Yeah. Um, what about your favorite, like French? And, and give me something that's like a French recipe. Like you go out and you shoot a deer or a hog. A recipe with animals I I uh-huh. Yeah. In my channel. I have an uh, I have different kind of emission, and mm-hmm. I have one. It's called uh, Recette de Seigneur, 
basically it seems a uh, lord receipt, but not the lord, you know, lords in general, uh-huh. lord receipt. And we talk about receipt and talk about receipt for hunting receipt. So I did different stuff, but if I have to say a, a real French one, well, you want a receipt in general. Yeah, like a French one. A French one. Yeah. You know, the most famous is a civet. It's with red wine. Uh-huh. It's pretty like um, Bourguignon. You know Bourguignon? Okay. You, you know it? Yeah. I think so. Beef Bourgu- uh, Bourguignon beef. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know it's cooking the red wine uh-huh. basically, and you have one uh, La Daube. It's uh, you can do it with red wine or you can do it with beer. It's it's French uh-huh. and it's really good. Okay. But you eat it, it is that really in often. Done so, in the oven or a skillet? Um. I don't know what to say. It. You bake it? Yeah, yeah, yeah you, okay. you have to bake it. Okay. Yeah, you have to bake it. Uh, in France, we bake every, everything. You know, okay. smoking, it's not a French thing. Uh-huh. So we bake, you, you bake it in, in white wine during uh, eight hours, you know, okay. with uh, vegetables, carrot, um, carrot yeah, uh-huh. onions. So you put it in the morning and then you just come back in the evening and it's done. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, it sounds nice. But no barbecue there. So when you come to Texas, you go eat some... I do a do lot some... of barbecue in France. We do a lot. But this is not French stuff, you know? Uh-huh. We smoke. We do a lot of things. It's not even as popular as in Texas. Uh-huh. Really not. Okay. But further into it becomes to come, you know? Because with internet, every culture, every hunting culture is sharing, you know? So... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, Baptiste, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, I want to talk about gun ownership in France because... You know, we have the Second Amendment here. I want to get your take on if you think that that's important and uh, what your situation is like in France. That segment brought to you by Stealth Cam and the DS4K Ultra, offering the finest in 4K video. You won't find a better trail camera on the market, and you can check it out at uh, StealthCam.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. So play. If you're looking to remodel your home, add a deck or arbor to the back patio, redo your fence, or build your dream home from the ground up, look no further than ECR Construction Group. My longtime bow hunting buddy, Josh Brown, is someone you can trust to deliver honest work on time. ECR Construction Group also serves the North Texas area, specializing in roofing, barn dominium builds, painting, and carpentry. So for your next project, call the folks I trust. That's ECR Construction Group at 214-400-1444 or ecrcg.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatofDallas.com today.
Life in the Fast Lane. That's the Eagles bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for dropping by today. Uh, we're still visiting with our friend, Baptiste Marche, uh, who is visiting Texas from France. It's great to have him here in studio. We'll get back into that conversation momentarily. First, though, this segment is brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for over a decade. Why do I keep using them? Well, they do impeccable work with quick turnaround time. Mm-hmm. Can't beat that. They also answer the phone when you call. They've got two locations, one in San Antonio and one in Marion, Texas. Check them out at grthenumber8mounts.com. Um, okay, well, let's get back into our conversation uh, with Baptiste Marche. When you go duck hunting, like here, we can shoot six ducks, and they have to. You can only shoot five of one species. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's um, not the same thing in France. How, how many ducks can you shoot in a day? I cannot say to you because it depends on kind of duck, and it depends on where you are. Uh huh. So you don't have number. Okay. Interesting. Some can some ducks you you can just not hunting them, mm-hmm. and some duck you can hunt all you want. But uh, so like this duck here. Is it called a canvas back? Yeah. And we can only shoot one of those. I know. Yeah. Uh, we d- we cannot shoot it in France. Oh, you have though? Yeah. Huh. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Interesting. Do you get pintails from- there? Uh, I don't know. You I saw on your page because- it looked like you had a teal, a yeah. little a small duck. Yeah. This yeah. is a, it's called, uh, in, uh, in France is um, Sarcelle d'hiver. Uh-huh. A winter sarcel, but I don't know the name mm, in English. It's delicious. The yeah. teal, the small ones. I love, oh, yeah, I love yeah, those. yeah. Um, okay. In South of France, they have a lot, lot of recipe about, uh, with duck. Uh-huh. South of France is, uh, have a, a cu- culture of the duck, you know? Really? So um, so you can eat something you will probably love. With honey, duck with honey is really something you can find in South of France, and it's incredible. Really? Yeah. Oh, it sounds nice. Um, a guy on my Instagram page, we were talking about something. Um, oh, it was bow hunting in Africa. I posted a bow hunting video from my Africa trip. And he said that they can't bow hunt in the UK for anything. You can in France. You can. Yeah, with real bow. Uh-huh. Not the... Not a compound. Yeah. But with a traditional bow, you can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. What about... Pistols. Can you guys own handguns? It's pretty like for the the air, but like the, the same thing. so strict permitting process. Yeah, it's pretty like, like the same thing. You can't just walk around with it in your pocket. Oh no, never. <laughs> Except if you're a policeman, uh-huh. you cannot. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Um, I mean, you you come to Texas and you say it's one of your favorite places on earth, and I tell you that it's still. It is great, right? But it's changing, and I don't know no. that it's for the better. I know that it's not for the better. Um, what, well, what would changing you know for the better? <laughs> no, right, exactly. What advice or what would you say? Like, do you, do you having grown up in Paris and see how it's changed in your lifetime? Do you think that we should take notice of that kind of stuff? And because you said, I mean, you told me when we were eating lunch, like you guys kind of lost your country, and it's impossible to get it back. The France that you think that should exist. I don't say I don't think it's impossible to get back, uh-huh. but not with a democratic way. Right. 
Um, you know, I'm the perfect example because I am French of what socialism do. I live in the probably most socialist country in the world. You know, mm. I saw what 60 years of socialism do to my country and it fall into the doom. Mm-hmm. We have chaos everywhere. We have a lot, lot of unemployment, about 11%. Oh, wow. You know, you know what? 11% of 68 million people mm. unemployed. In a small place. Yeah. We have a dramatic violence number. Uh, the street violence is incredible. We have one of the biggest immigration in Europe. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest. We have uh, almost 20 million Muslim people. Just missing people. Muslim people, yeah. yeah. Oh, Muslim people, yeah. Muslim uh-huh. people. So... <laughs> You know, um, we have uh, we have the perfect mix between <laughs> it's it's interesting because we have the perfect mix between the Sharia, you know, the Islamic uh, law, mm-hmm. and and the um, progressive uh, the work, you know, yeah. work culture, <laughs> the the perfect mix. So it, it, it's really uh, strange, but uh, it exists. It, it is in France. Mm-hmm. So so we have children with grow with transgender things, you know, uh, the eight of the countries, the eight of the flags, and 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 they have to live near people with really traditional, really, you know, mm. mas- where masculinity is really important. But they teach to our children to not be masculine, no, not be real men. Oh, really? But, but they have to live near real men from other country. Mm. And they have to respect it because they teach them to respect their culture. So... Mm. <laughs> I think that's a big problem. Do something here too. Is you're, you're we're raising a generation of wussies of of men that like they call it here toxic masculinity. Yeah. Dude, being a man's man is a good thing. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with being a manly man that likes to get outdoors, that uh, wants to be a leader. You know, in in the home or in their um, you know in society and culture or whatever. Um, I think that's well, that's a big problem here where I see is like, well, we, yeah, we, you have you you know it's a picture we use a lot. You have the chip, you have the wolf, and you have the cheaper the dog, mm-hmm. and you have to be a cheaper dog. But in France, we only have wolf and chip, and and uh, time after time, less of less of cheaper dog. So mm. it will probably break at one moment. Mm-hmm. You, we have some, you know, terrorist attack. This last year, this last few years, mm-hmm. it will become worse and worse. I think. Maybe mm. it's maybe that's what we have to do. What no? Maybe what that's what need to arrive for us to rebound. Maybe, mm. but if if I have an advice to say to American people and Texas people, Texan people, do something. Don't be like us. Do mm-hmm. something before. You can stop the machine. We cannot, but you can. You like maybe 20 or 30 years before us to, in the process. Mm-hmm. So do something. Mm. Well, 
<laughs> you want to speak I told you. I told you that it was like I feel like sometimes it's a losing battle. Yeah. But what are we gonna do? Sit there and just let it happen? No, we're gonna keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. So. Um, on a lighter note. And vote, vote in the election. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. And vote good. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, you like cigars a lot. Oh yeah. So where does France? That's come from my father. Okay. Yeah. Does France have a like a history of making cigars, or do you get those imported yeah. from? No, no, no. Um, no, not making cigars, but like, okay, we have to back in the 16th centuries. Uh-huh. Yeah. Spanish people. Um, import cigars in Europa uh, from the from South of South America was that? Uh-huh. yeah from yeah, South yeah, yeah. America and um, and it, it arrived in France during uh, the during the monarchy uh, it implant and a lot of more and more soldiers uh, become to smoke and in the first Empire, so, so under Napoleon, mm-hmm. um, France um, make a, a French cigars company. You know the 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 legal empire company of cigars, uh-huh. and so they <coughs> they become to sell French cigars. You know with the the, the the good thing of empire, and so. And so after and after they become they um, stay really in the culture. So all the French traditional men, you know, love uh, the traditional way. A lot of of this kind of men uh, smoke cigars in France. We yeah. had we have a lot of cigars lounge and something. But this last few years, uh, like the, this last twenty years. Um, um, it disappears a lot because some law in France uh, forbid to smoke in some area, uh-huh. and so it's more difficult to find some place to smoke cigars now. Okay. So it's it's expensive, and we French people don't have a lot of money now. It's expensive. You need to have time to smoke it, and we don't have time in France. You need to have place to smoke it, and we don't have place in France. So, so it began to disappear a, li- a little. But last few years, when I come with my channel and other, we try to, you know, uh, we revive the cigars. Yeah, revive the cigars, and it works. Huh. It works. We have a lot of young people will become to coming back to the cigars. I don't know if it's a good thing for the, <laughs> you know, for the health of right. people, but uh, for the style, it's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and what about? Do you guys get like Kentucky bourbon in in France? Do you like bourbon or whiskey? Yeah, we have it, but I don't like it uh-huh. because I'm a Scotch lover. Ah, okay. Really, uh-huh. I'm a real Scotch lover, and I know I love the pitted Scotch. Uh-huh. Really. So we, I have a lot of bottle of pitted scotch, and I know I have the same culture with pitted scotch that you have you with Kentucky bourbon. You know, uh-huh. it's the same thing. We we are looking for the good bottle. You know, uh-huh. the most oldest thing, and yeah. So, and bourbon is not really famous in France. You can have it, but it's not really famous. It's become a, li- a little, but uh-huh. no. Okay, and we'll also in Texas we drink a lot of tequila. Yeah. Really not famous in France. We only know the bad tequila. I I beca- <laughs> I I, I um, um, sorry. I'm 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 
I'm looking for my word. Um, you know, I I find the Hanero tequila first time in Texas. Okay. I never see it before. Huh. Okay. Um, if you could go anywhere and hunt anything, with money doesn't matter, what would your what would be the something top of- I didn't do? Uh-huh. Uh, an elephant. An elephant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, I when I was in Africa, I learned something. There is stop me if I'm wrong, but there is four hundred thousand elephants in the world. A lot. Yes, more than people realize. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, why, why it's Botswana, so much difficult to end it? Right, and uh, Botswana and uh, Zimbabwe certainly. Botswana has, I believe, one hundred and thirty thousand elephants, the most of any country. They can only support, like, with their land. What the biologists say, their carrying capacity is about seventy thousand. <laughs> so they have sixty thousand more elephants than they have food for, essentially. So and elephant is the hogs of Botswana. Right. <laughs> That's what the farmers will tell you too. And there's a solution. There's hunters out there that would gladly, you know, help with that, reducing that overpopulation. Uh, but Botswana had made elephant hunting illegal from like, I think 2013 till 2020. And so, of course, the numbers, they already had a problem. And then the numbers just went through the roof. And then the elephants leave the jungle and the or the habitat, you know, um, the lush vegetation and then they end up in cropland and then there's a problem now for farmers you know it's just like well that's what we were tol- we are talking the differences between animalist and ecologist things and the real protection of wildlife mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um it, when we were eating lunch you mentioned uh, some funny funny things about what americans think are french products like <laughs> uh french fries Come from Belgium. Belgium. And we, we just call fries. Uh-huh. We never say French fries because it's... And in, in, we don't say Belgian fries. We just say fries. Uh-huh. It's, it's come from Belgium. What, yeah. what about French doors? It doesn't exist in France. There's no French doors? No, I never <laughs> see it. Uh, the first time I see it in, in America. In a I never see one dime, a damn French door in France. <laughs> never. What about French press? Coffee? Ah, uh, don't like this. It don't like this. I don't exist. I, I, no, I never see it. <laughs> We just have coffee, sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you have the, the mustards, the Frenchies. We call it American mustard. Mustard, yeah. Yeah, it's American for us. Uh-huh. And you say it's French. No, no, keep it. <laughs> That's funny. The little yeah. things that uh, we, we just think in everyday life. Oh, I know I've eaten French fries for 40 years and always thought they came from France. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, um, I, I think you, you don't see a lot of French people in Texas because... Each place I come, when I say I'm from France, they say, oh, yeah, French-Canadian. I say, no, no, France, from f- French from France. And uh-huh. say, oh, awesome. <laughs> mm. And so I, 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 I understand that you, you learn French in, co- in uh, college, no? Some guys learn French in oh, college. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but um, I, I think you don't have a lot of tourists from France in mm. here. I think I took French in... First grade, second grade. Okay. And then after that, it was all Spanish. There was, you know. It was more useful, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think as we are wrapping up, man, if you want to tell all of our listeners where they can follow you. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Gator and uh, on YouTube. But on YouTube, my videos are only in French. So you can maybe use uh, automatically subtitles, uh-huh. subtitle. 
I'm not sure okay. <laughs> of what they, they do, but uh, in Instagram, they will understand what uh, what I do. Perfect, perfect. Well, man, I certainly appreciate you coming by. Uh, enjoyed Thank the conversation. Thank you for your invitation. Yeah. And uh, if you come next year, we'll do it again. Oh, yeah. With pleasure. All right. Yeah. Sounds good, man. Thanks again. So there you have it. Uh, interesting conversation with our new friend joining us all the way from France here in Texas in studio, Baptiste Marche. Uh, really enjoyed getting to know him and uh, certainly check out his Instagram. Fascinating stuff. His YouTube as well. Uh, that segment was brought to you by John X Safaris. Uh, if you're looking for that trip of a lifetime, if you're ready to head over to the dark continent for that epic adventure, shoot me an email, LoneStarOutdoorShow at gmail.com. I'll tell you all about the trips that I have planned for 2022 this summer and then May 2023 if you want to be a part of that. Uh, love to take you with me. And uh, it's great to go with someone who's been before. That's the first time I went. I went with a buddy who had been a couple times. So um, anyway, just shoot me an email if you want to be a part of one of those trips. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Thanks to all of our guests. Baptiste Marche, uh, my longtime buddy Chisholm Cook, Mossberg's Linda Powell, and outdoor writer Gordy Cron. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Well, I was moving down the road in my BA Ford. I had a shine on my boots. I had my sideburns low. With my New York brim and my gold juice display. Nobody give me trouble because they know I got it made. I'm bad. I'm nationwide.